the purpose of this teaching is to mainly share with you a kind of concise summary of my understanding and observation in the issue of revival, the move of God, and the the touch of God, the fire of God, because um, as you know, this is one of the um, things that relatively rare in churches, even though people cried out and fast and pray for revival in many churches uh, a lot, but they don't want, when revival is going to come, they don't want it because they don't want to have so-called a mess because it sometimes can be a mess if you don't know how to handle revival. And not only that, people may not fully understand how to handle revival. Uh, and people want to control the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, you cannot control Him. Mm-hmm. You need to let Him have freedom. Secondly, uh, because this is an issue that uh, a lot of people misunderstand us, and I want all of you to understand uh, the same direction from what I see from the scriptural point of view and from experiences. So that's why I want to share this issue and share this with our uh, sister churches too. Um, This is the issue that uh, very hard to explain like a class called the doctrine of the Son of God or doctrine of God or something like that, you know, doctrine of Trinity. Because it's, because whenever you tra- start to deal with uh, the move of the Spirit, it's like a wind, you know. You cannot, sometimes you cannot predict the wind, wh- where the wind going to go. So it's, it, you cannot put the wind into the doctrine. You cannot put uh, the move of God into a box. So that's why it's very difficult to talk to theologians who try to, you know, come against you with theology. Okay. Um, first of all, I'd like to show you a few scripture first and then read some scripture and, and uh, make a very summary what is in there. One thing that I like what uh, um, Pastor... Derek Prince say like this. I listened to his tape. He said that theology that is not backed up by experiences um, is not going to work. It's not real. Not only that, um, when you have experience, it should be backed up by theology. So in fact, experiences and doctrine Theology go together. And many times, I mentioned a few Sundays ago that many times when we, when we read the Bible, a, a lot of times we interpret the Bible from what? From our preconceived teaching, from our teacher, from our church denominational doctrine, from our own previous experiences, from great teacher in the body of Christ. Because we all learn from others and we learn from one another. But when something have new happened in the body of Christ and you begin to experience the things of God and when you go back to read the Bible, you see that, oh, wow, 
This part of the Bible I understand this way for a long time, but actually it's not only this way; it's another way too. It is more deeper than what I understood, and not only that, a lot of things in the Bible we begin to understand after we have experiences. You see, you cannot understand the Bible by just reading the Bible. You have experience first. So that's what happened to the area of the move of God, to me, to my observation. Why don't you turn to um, Hebrew chapter seven, twenty six and twenty seven? I want to show you a few scripture that the work of redemption or the work of God in the area of redeeming and blessing mankind are. Usually done by all three persons of the Godhead, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Hebrew chapter seven, verses twenty-six, twenty-seven, say, "For such as an high priest, mean Jesus, became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners." Made higher than the heavens. Oh wow! I read from King James version. That's why. Can you, how many people have a NIV or something? This is. I pick up the wrong. I think. Twenty-six. Such a high priest makes our need. Verse twenty-six. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure. Set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens, unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Hmm. So, Jesus, can I see your Bible? He offered. Mm-hmm. He offered himself. You see, he offered himself to to save us. And if you turn to Hebrews chapter nine, verse fourteen. The Bible says that how much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself unblemished to God? You can see here that in one verse there is Jesus, the Spirit, and God the Father. In some one word that one verse that the redeemed redemptive work of God was done. By both, by the um, cooperation of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight. Acts ten thirty-eight. <coughs> God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit and with power to go about. Doing good and heal 
those who are oppressed by the devil. Is that right? So you can see God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Spirit. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together to redeem mankind. Look at Romans chapter 8 verse 11. Roman eight, eleven. Okay, passage is fine. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Hmm. So who raised Jesus from the dead? The Father. By who? By Holy Spirit. So what I try to make a conclusion is this, that when we serve God as a representative of God, God the Father uses in the name of Jesus. But we cannot bring the, we cannot try to help people, redemptive work, bless people by just the Father and the Son. We need the Holy Spirit. So, Unfortunately, we tend to forget and not recognize the Holy Spirit. And that's why the church is in trouble. Because we tend to just emphasize Jesus and the Father, but we never allow the Holy Spirit to have the freedom to do the work through us. You see? I want to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is important. I I will read, I will kind of summarize to you what the Holy Spirit is doing uh, in our life and then at the end I will make a conclusion about revival the Holy Spirit give us wisdom and understanding the Holy Spirit help us to have a close relationship with God the Father and the Son in fact do you notice that the Bible never call the God of the heavens and the earth the Bible called the God who created the heavens and the earth, but the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham. In other words, God have relationship with a man. You see? God doesn't have relationship with the earth and the sun. I mean the S-U-N sun, but with the man named Abraham. The God of David. You see? The Bible never used the God of animal, the God of tree, but the God of Abraham, the God of Patrick. You see? So, the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to have relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to obey the Word of God. You cannot obey the Word of God by your own strength. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to resist temptation. This is just kind of go through summary here. The Holy Spirit help us to demonstrate the fruit or the character of God. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. The Holy Spirit is the one who help us to have confidence in salvation. I believe that the reason uh, Barry and Zhao began to witness a lot, because you know why? They were so confident that this is the right product to sell. 
they, if people have no confidence in salvation, they will not witness. But when they have confidence, they begin to witness. The Holy Spirit is the one who teaches you the Word of God. Teach you the things of God. You cannot understand the things of God by your own intellect. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps you to discern God's will. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps you to follow the leading of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps you edify yourself by praying in tongues. The Holy Spirit is the one who anoints you to serve the Father and Jesus effectively. He gives you gifts, skills, and talents. The Holy Spirit who is the one who guides you and help you to testify for Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, you will just speak out of your um, out of your you know own intellect. But you need to speak by the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives you enthusiasm and faith to share the gospel. And wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps you to prophesy. You know, tell people the future or give you give people word of knowledge to get people saved. The Holy Spirit is the one who demonstrates or manifests signs and wonders to you. You cannot perform signs and wonders without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us as the church to have unity. I mentioned to the church in Vancouver that if we only emphasize the Word of God, we, I, I tell you, we're going to have a lot of fighting. You know why? Because some of us are going to say, I know more than you, you know more than me, I know this, and you don't know that. We begin to practice legalistic, legalism to each other. Because I know, you come in, you don't know this, so you are bad sheep. But when you are touched by God, you all cry, you all laugh, you all fall, you all shake. You know what happened? We are humble and we love one another. Because no one is better than anyone. So in fact, in the move of God, the Holy Spirit makes us love one another and humble toward one another. That's why the Bible says, let her kill, but the Spirit give life. You see? Knowledge puff up, the Bible says. Knowledge puff up. Oh, I know more than you. This denomination doesn't know like me. We know better than you. That is puff up. But we should, but the Spirit of God makes us humble and love other denominations. That's why we need both. Okay? The, the Holy Spirit helps us to mature as a church to be like Christ. Okay. 
if you read the Bible in Acts chapter, can somebody read Acts chapter 1 verse 8? <coughs> Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, the Bible says that you receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So a lot before I come into revival, I believe that this is a one-time experience when I speak in tongue. But did the Bible say that this is one-time experience? Okay? Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. This is the, the outpouring of the Spirit, the first time in the early church. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. This is the outpouring of the Spirit. It happens, what? In the midst of the believers. And you know, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that was quite loud. It was quite loud. And the Bible talks about the outpouring of the Spirit as a spirit, as a fire. So revival is involved with the believers that the outpouring of the Spirit come upon people. Okay? And then, because the Spirit of God show up, we have reaction. We begin to have physical manifestation. Speaking in tongue, or get drunk, or get pretty loud. You know, pretty... Uh, the meeting is not like a, just a quiet meeting, but the meeting was quite loud, and even people believed that they got drunk with wine at 9 a.m. You see? So, did the Bible say that this is going to happen only one time when you speak in tongue? Have you ever seen any part of the Bible say that? No. Actually, the Bible even commands in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, uh, verse 18, and be not drunk with wine, wherein is ex excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So in other words, the Bible commands us to keep being filled, keep getting to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit again and again. So, is it wrong to have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit again and again in the church? No. The Bible never say against it. Is that right? Okay. Now, can the outpouring of the Holy Spirit happen automatically, automatically like Acts chapter 2? Just people come and Spirit came down? Yes, it can. That's what happened in our camp into afternoon that Spirit came down without the man do, did anything. But also, the Bible... The Bible talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened by the laying on of hands. Two, you remember Acts chapter 19, 
when Paul lay hand on the believers in Ephesus, what happened? The Spirit came upon them. Okay, you remember? I I don't need to open the Bible. Acts chapter 19. Can the Holy Spirit came down? Why the preacher is preaching? Before he he close in prayer and make an altar call. What part of the Bible? Acts chapter 10. Why Peter was still still speaking? The spirit fell on the household of Cornelius. Why he was speaking? So can the spirit came down? Why we were by the preacher was preaching? Yes, according to the Bible. Now can the spirit of God came? By the laying on of the hand of the elder, yes. Look at First Timothy. First uh, or second? Let me see. I think second. Second Timothy, chapter one, verse six. Can you read that? What happened to Timothy here? For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the land of my hands. In fact, if you read um, uh, the the Bible, if you read different different version, uh, Paul talk about the flame, the fire, Fla- fan the flame, the fire of God in you that come by the laying on of my hands. So the Paul talk of, uh, connect between the file of God, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the minister uh, or upon the servant of God, and then he said you need to keep stirring up, keep fanning that, uh, put the the fire up all the time. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So I believe that. From experience and from the scripture, now I'm going to make a conclusion. Revival or the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the touch of God, or this is the same meaning, the move of God is needed in the church. And it should happen on a regular basis. Why? Because of many reasons. And I'm going to share with you from pastoral observation. Okay, Now, after seven years of experiencing, learning, studying, listening, watching, seeing things happen, I come to the conclusion now. I understand the issue now. Before five years ago, I cannot explain like this. I believe that number one, the reason we need it, because human nature we tend to go into legalism and religion. We tend to legalize, not legalize, uh, we tend to format, denominize God. You see what I mean? So, if we don't have the touch of God and revival, our church is going to end up to be a religion. That's one observation I noticed. So as long as we keep having revival, we will have that first love and the, the fresh relationship with Jesus all the time without going into religion. Secondly, 
God want to give everything that I'm talking about a while ago to us through the Spirit. God want to give us more love, more faith, more wisdom, more gift. Okay, who who give that to us? The Holy Spirit. So that's why we need to come into in touch with the Spirit to have the increase of those things little by little. God doesn't give us overnight. God gives us little by little because as we are faithful, as we are hungry, as we repent, God will come in and help us. Okay. So, God wants to move us from glory to glory. God wants to impart into us more and more blessing and the gifts of God and the things of heaven so that we can be more effective. So, we never be in the prayer line enough to be touched by God because every time God touches touches us, something happens. Either more bonus, more wisdom, more faith, more heart desire for the soul. Something happened that you may not even see that day, but something happened to you. Okay? Number three, because I believe that Every believer, I know that this is a quite dogmatic sentence, but I believe it all my heart now, after experiencing. I believe that every believer needs deliverance. We have been and we are being or we are going to be demonic, under demonic attack or demonized or under influence of some area of our life that demons are still working. That's why Joel chapter 2, chapter, 25, uh, chapter 2 verses 23 to 28, talking about the connection about getting rid of um, locusts, which, which represent demons, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So, if as a pastor I don't bring the move of God in, I really hurt my member because actually the move of God will really cast out demons out of people, get rid of a, a lot of junks out of them. And sometimes we need to have clean up because I may, I mean, even though, uh, how many people believe that pastor can have demon? Yeah. Maybe a pastor go to hotel and watch pornography, bam, come in. And pastor need revival too. We all need to be cleaned up off and on because we are living in a very dirty world and we don't give every part of our life to Jesus yet. You know, we still have some hope back in some area of our life that demon can work in. So that's why revival really come and clean up the church. The move of God come and cleanse the church off and on. I thank God I have not seen our member affected by fibromyalgia. You don't want it. It's a disease that no doctor know why, and it's very bad. You have pain all over the body, your neck, your head, everything tingling, could not sleep, have sleep at near leg jerk at night. It's terrible. Every patient who comes to see me cry in my office and, and really, really suffer. And I, I will tell you, I believe it's demon. And many Christians have those. And today I share with one lady that you need 
to pray by faith you need to meditate on the word and you need to come into the presence of God to get rid of this but when she listened to me she looked at me she didn't get it at all fibromyalgia I believe that all, a lot of sicknesses come from demons so you know as a pastor if I stop doing this I am killing my own pay, my own, not my own our own members mm-hmm. I need to bring the move of God to the church Okay. Not only that, we have, whether we know or not, we all have some baggages that God needs to deal with us little by little. And that's why the Bible uses the word the fire of God. You know, many times as Christians, we think that we are okay. You know, but you think you are okay from your standard. But you are not okay in God's standard. Amen. You know, like like give you example. Before I get touched by God, I think that it's okay for me just to stand and sing song like this. I love you, Lord. I think I have done enough. I am I'm, I'm a good Christian. I, I go to church on Sunday. I sing song five song six song on Sunday, and I think it's enough. But until one day Holy Spirit touch me and change me to really, really kind of have passion to worship God. And when I look back, oh, I was not there at that time, long time ago, before I got touched by God. But God has moved me to the next level that I become like David, that I just want to exuberantly just worship God without fear, without just crazy for God. And without the Holy Spirit, I may not even know. So that's why the pastor who is wise will allow Holy Spirit to move in the church so that God will move people from where He wants them to be and to have and to do. Because man cannot change man. Only Holy Spirit can change man. You see, so we need to allow Holy Spirit to move. And I tell you one thing. The fourth or fifth reason, I don't remember now. The move of God is for great commission. We cannot win the world by our own power and strength. We need the anointing badly. You know, my my heart, I want to one day stand in front of 200,000 people to preach the gospel and all of them saved. And how can I do that with little, little Holy Ghost? I I share already, I, I don't remember what day I share that. I listened to a testimony of evangelists and I used that testimony to share in the church. This lady said that she went to Bible school two times. She pastored a church, pretty decent lady, know the Bible, she can quote all the theology. And in her mindset, she thinks that it's okay to know a lot of the Word of God. It's okay to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's okay to be have character but don't be too much on the Holy Ghost but one day she got touched by the Holy Spirit in revival and God spoke to me uh, to her God spoke to her like this Christian want a lot of love a lot of faith a lot of fruit a lot of uh, you know everything a lot of money a lot of blessing but why don't people want the maximum Holy Ghost 
why we have to shuffle Holy Ghost out and don't want the maximum Holy Ghost in the church. You see what I mean? So, I don't want to be where I am. I want to go to next level. I want to go to one day I can go out and preach in Brazil and people get saved and people get healed. Are you satisfied with where you are? If you are, thank God for your life, but I'm not. I want more. I want to have more anointing. I want to do greater job for God. I want to have all night gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to have everything in my life. I have, maybe I have another 20 years to go in my life. I'm 50 now. I hope I can live until 90. But whatever life left in me, I'm hungry to do more for God. And definitely, the only person that can help me is the Holy Ghost. So that's why, why I back off from being touched by God. Because it's in the Bible. The anointing in the Bible is tangible. It's transferable. Transfer from Elijah to Elisha. Transfer from the Elijah born to the dead person. The dead person rise up. You see, it's transferable. Why we don't need that anointing? You see what I mean? So, I chat already. It's good to cast out demons. It's good to set the captive free. It's good that uh, the move of God helps you to have more impartation of the things, whatever I share a while ago, wisdom, relationship with God, you know, uh, passion for the lost, everything. The great commission. People when, people, when they are touched by God, they will be on fire and they want to witness. Okay? Okay, many people may attack me like this. Oh, you have the move of God, why haven't you sent people out to plant churches all the world? But I want to answer this way. This timing of God. But at least people in our church are on fire and witness. When the right timing comes, I believe we're going to go all over the world. But we cannot force God. We need to be patient with God. We cannot force to have Ishmael. We want Isaac in our church. Okay? Now, let me share the, uh, any other benefits. I think, okay, set deliverance, uh, impartation of the things of God. Um, God wants to move us to the next level. You know, and, and, and oh, another benefit in revival is this. I want to share with you quickly and then I want to go up into rhythm about manifestation a little bit. Is that when you come into revival, do you notice that some people really easy to hook up to the Holy Spirit and some people have a hard time? You know why? Because we all, our relationship with the Holy Spirit come at a different level. You know, some of us because of the denominational background, we are so scared of the Holy Spirit. So we are not used to so we mainly just kind of stand and watch the water. We don't want to jump in. But some of us kind of put the feet down a little bit and feel the water. Some of us go and walk in the water. Some of us start to go into the ankle, into the waist, and some of us swim. You notice one thing that new believers in our church like Cha, like um, uh, who else, Barry and Yao, are so easy to jump into the rivers. You notice that? But the most difficult people are old believers from old denomination. Why? Because they, 
Because they are not used to this thing, so they have to kind of unlearn little by little. But new believer is easy because they never have any old way. Hey, I come in, I jump in the river. It's good. My pastor jump, I jump too. You know, they don't have any hidden preconceived idea. And you know what? If you and and it's okay if the first time you stand and you watch, that's okay. We don't blame anyone. But you need to keep coming to the rivers until you 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 get. To the point that it's so easy to jump in, you see what I mean. You hook up to the Holy Spirit very fast, and and people criticize that why you emphasize manifestation. Actually, it's not about manifestation; it's about you hook up to Him. But when you really hook up to Him, I can guarantee there must be some change, some manifestation, because when you get touched by the hand of God, there is no way your physical body gonna be able to. Handle him. Something gonna happen to you. But the key is this: if you come first time, you look at the water and you say, "Oh, nothing happened to me because I dare not jump in," and you walk away and don't want any more. And now I want to walk and sit. You will never learn how to jump in. You need to keep going back to learn how to walk a little bit, jump in a little bit more, and more until one day you can swim. And that's what happened to Da. You see, Pastor Da, she came from Catholic background, came from Baptist, and then hope. And now she want to learn about revival. So the first few times she went with me, she just walked. She just a little bit on her toe, but easier and easier now because she kept coming out to the prayer line to learn how to jump into the rivers of God. Why is important? Because when you go out on the market and begin to witness and begin to minister, then at that time you can be fast to hook up to the Holy Spirit. You know, like I, yesterday, I went to visit Dr. Chi to give uh, to witness to him. Uh, in the car, I don't need to worry at all. I just sit and relax and sleep. I don't worry, lose sleep. I just relax, and I know, you know what? In my heart, I know when I get there, I'm gonna hook up to the Holy Spirit in one second. In one, it is true. When I sit on the ch- when I walk into his house, Holy Spirit began to tell me. Do this, drag the chair to sit close to him. I do it. Okay, teach this lesson. Boom. And then he showed me scripture, 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 scripture. And the whole time he sit there like, like the face like very, very open. And, and he, he really, um, you know, the whole household was really stunned by the word of God. Why? Because I learned how to hook up very fast in the revival meeting. You see what I mean? So, uh, the son and the wife, everyone sitting there. So pretty, pretty good meeting. They actually, they want to have more Bible study. So it's pretty good. Anyway, you see, so now let's come to this criticism. Why you don't ask people to kneel down to pray for? Why you have to get people stand? Why you have to lie people up? Okay? Now, is it wrong to be organized? Let me ask this question. Did the Bible say that it's wrong to lie people up? Okay, did the Bible tell us that we have to sing three fast songs and three slow songs on the church on Sunday? The Bible never said that. Did the Bible say that you have to wear tie on the church on Sunday? Never. Did the Bible say that you need to have a at the front door? Never. 
Why we do a lot of stuff? Because it fit with the congregation and the culture. So if you attack me that I line people up, then you don't have an archer. Then you don't have a sing three sing three 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 fast song and three because all this unbiblical. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's unbiblical then. Unscriptural, that's un- unscriptural. So, okay, if you s- put people lay down or kneel down, and I have to lay hand on sixty people, I may need to need see a neurosurgeon soon because my back gonna hurt. You need to understand the pastor too. You cannot lay hand by doing like this all the time. You know it's crazy. Okay, another thing I want to ask this question. Okay, no question when people fall because of the power of God. Mm-hmm. No question, no argument. And I think we, many of us have that experience. Like in the prayer meeting, the uh, three-day fast and prayer, last, that last night, just so powerful. The Holy Spirit came down. I mean, I almost fell down in that room because the presence of God was so strong that night. You know, that is pretty obvious. But let me ask this question. Is it wrong scripturally and biblically? that people prostrate down to wait on God. Any part in the Bible say you cannot lie down on the floor to wait on God. Never actually the Bible even say he make me lie down in green pasture. I don't see any wrong thing about people want to wait on God. Now, let's come to the practical point. This is what I watch in my real ministry. I notice that in real, in real life, because we are human, our human beings are related to the body. Our whole life relates to mind, spirit, and body. Is that right? That's why you like to eat good food, good tests, because you care about your body so much that you like to have good tests on your tongue to eat something delicious. So we care about our body so much. Now, I noticed this, that in reality of life, when you... Are repenting, you hungry and seek God, and you say, God, I'm desperate to be touched by you, to ch- have changed in my life this time. Something needs to change in my life, I'm desperate. And you come out and you stand and lay and, and kind of stand like this, and Pastor lay hand on you. But Pastor have another hundred people to go. So when I lay hand, I lay hand by faith that God's gonna do something to you, but it's up to you, you receive or not. Is that right? It's not about me, it's about the receiver. Not about me. So, when I lay hand on you, and think about this in the natural realm. I lay hand on you and I wait for a while. I have to go. So I walk by. Because I have to go to the next person. Otherwise, I will be there all night to stand for you. Because you, it may take you longer time to, to receive. Okay. In reality, I watch this. If people stand, and you know what happened after I lay hand, and they don't, do something about it to receive. And I walk by, this can happen. That person will open their eyes and look at me. Is that true? Psychologically. They open their eyes, look at me, what's next pastor do? Second, they come out from it. They come out from seeking God because, hey, I'm tired, my legs are tired. And, you know, kind of, okay, I walk back to my chair. That, I see this all that people walk out from seeking God because they're just tired standing there. We depend on our physical body so much. But I understand now why ministers who do revival, 
have to practice this way that line up and people people go down because when you when you go you number one you posture yourself of yielding secondly when you're on the floor you don't need to worry about open your eyes to look people walk away from you secondly you can rest and wait on God I don't know how many of you have this experience I have these experiences many times that when people lay hand on me nothing happened at that minute but when I go down after maybe two or three minutes God began to touch me because you know on the floor I can still focus I can still yield I still can stay hungry without, in, without distraction I don't need to open my eyes look at people I don't need to worry about being tired on my leg. I don't need to worry about this and that because I just, I and God, I want to be touched badly. That I want to, I'm going to stay there like, you know, like uh, in the Bible talk about Jacob, that Jacob say, I will not let you go until you touch me. And actually happened to me many times in the prayer line. When I, when I go out to be prayed for, God didn't touch me first, but I began to say, God, I'm not going to go anywhere tonight until you touch me. Bam, God touched me. Because he see that I'm serious and hungry about it. You see, and, and change begin to happen in me. So I just want to explain the whole things to see that scripturally, I rather have members who yield than people who kind of have no feeling to God and who care. I rather have congregation that yield on fire, love the move of God, want to be prayed for, hungry for God and want to go out witness. I'd rather build the church that way than to be a just, you know, big congregation with people just have no feeling, just no, don't want to worship God and you have to force them to witness and depend on only the great pastor who preach very well to get people saved, but the rest of the congregation cannot do anything. You know, a lot of big churches, I believe, become big because of the personality of the pastor. Because of a nice program, nice show on the stage, but members may not be on fire. Yes, Da. I have something to share. Mm. Um, this happened to my. Um, I have something to share. This happened to one of my sheep. Um, that <coughs> she, she walk um, every morning, and uh, and she spend time with God in the morning, and then she said that God is so real to her, and God spoke to her. Um, one day she said, um, God, God told her that, walk, and why don't we spend time together another 10 minutes? God talked to her like that, you know. So she walked, she, so she obeyed God and she walked even further <coughs> into the neighborhood and into the wood kind of thing, you know, and be alone by herself. And then she was, as she was walking and and uh, wait for God, like when God gonna say something else, you know. So she keep walking and walking, and she said that she went into one place, and she felt totally felt peace in that pla- in that place, and she had a good time, you know, and she did not even look at the at the the watch, and after that she walked around the neighborhood and go home. And when she looked at her watch, it's 10 minutes exactly. Um, so she was so excited and she came to talk to me that, 
God really can talk and God can can really communicate with her. What I try to 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 say in this case is that not a lot of us have that time, you know that that we really like God. This is your time. This is time for you and you alone. You know we don't have that 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 time in our life that much because we are all busy with sending to the to you know like sending the children to school, go to work. Come home, fix the food, and you know, go on with our life. So when when you are in the church, and then you just lie down and and be there for five minutes or ten minutes or something, it it can be equal to the time that you know this chief of mine spent time with God in the morning. And God can really talk to us, but sometimes I think He talks to us all the time, but we don't have time to listen. To what he he has to say, so you know, um, I personally I also feel that it's easier for me to have some close time with God, talking to Him and listening to Him while I'm on the floor. Amen. Yeah, Amen. but if I stay there and I stand, no, I God. yeah I cannot concentrate. I cannot concentrate with God. But when I'm on the floor and don't care about what's going on around me, then I have more time. Just like this sister, you know, because personally I don't have much of that time either. Get up in the morning, prepare everything, send the kid to 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 school, and then go on with my life. Uh-huh. Okay, so um, I'm gonna close in prayer. In conclusion, um, I just want to make sure that you all understand this. Um, you know, uh, practicality, experience, and biblical uh, value of the move of God, so that from now on we can explain the same way, and we don't need to worry that we are doing something wrong. 